Well, we're glad for each one of you here this morning. Most of all, I'm glad I'm here, and I'm glad the Lord is here with us. Amen. I only ask God anymore at 80 years old, just give me another strength to get through one more. Just one more, Lord, that's all. Amen. Well, I kind of envious after last night. I really forgot how old I really was until I run out of breath the first 20 minutes. 20 minutes ever drink of water, you know what I mean? I remember when I was that young man's age, not bragging or anything, I could preach three hours without one drink. <laughs> Congregation wished I drank so I could get done with it. But then, and then besides that, he's a singer. And someone told me he's a musician. Drummer, and, that's not even fair. Praise God. That's, that's not even fair. Amen. So. We're glad to have Brother Allen with us last night. Enjoyed his message on the atonement. Let's give him a praise and honor this morning. I didn't recognize his wife last night. So those that wasn't here, if you'll stand, this is uh, his wife. If you'd like to stand with us this morning, let's make her welcome this morning. Amen. <laughs> and we have Canada online this morning, so we always make them welcome. and glad they're into the service also. Amen. It's always good to be able to see a congregation here and then look up here and see another congregation there than knowing there's people online listening this morning. Amen. I've told this little story before, uh, way back in basically I think it's Wichita meetings, and it got me in trouble, but I'm going to tell the little story again. It says this little boy basically come home from church, and his mother asked him, said, well, son, how, what did you here this morning, what was going on in church, he said, well, we had a lesson on Moses. And he said, Moses actually went behind the enemy lines to rescue the Israelites. Then when he come to the Red Sea, he got in trouble, so he called up his engineers and had them to build a bridge across the Red Sea. After they got across the Red Sea, he turned and he saw the tanks are coming from the other side, he got on his walkie-talkie and called headquarters. They sent dive bombers and blew up the bridge. Then the Israelites rolled on into the promised land. Now, you already read the joke, so you didn't, you didn't get that this morning. I should leave the funnies off of your notes so you won't get, won't get the point before. But the point being is this. He said, Mom, if I told you how it really was, you wouldn't believe it. Now, this lesson this morning, basically, I called the hidden matter under the seventh seal. I called it one sermon and got called on the carpet for it. The seven thunders revealed the new name of God. The seven thunders revealed the new name of God. We read in uh, Proverbs 18.10, which is a good verse of Scripture to uh, start from. Notice it says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous, now when you come to the righteous, Brother Allen picked it up last night, the righteous are those that have stood before the judge and are judicially declared righteous. Judicially declared righteous. And justification or declared righteous stands as a verdict as though you never done it. Didn't say you didn't do it. You said you stand before God as though you never done it in the first place. 
All right, the righteous are the justified, and you can only be justified by coming before the judge. Runneth into the revelation brought by the judge and is safe. Run into the tower. The name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run therein and are safe. I could put it this way in your notes if you read. The seventh seal of Revelation 8, 1 is our strong tower. You say, well, I thought the name of the Lord was a strong tower. Revelation 8, 1 tells us seven thunders will reveal the new name of God. So the seventh seal then would be the uh, strong tower that the righteous are declared by the judge being present that you're not guilty. They bring forth a revelation of your predestination and the righteous run therein and are safe. So we're looking at a revelation and in that revelation basically which is our atonement. But Alan spoke of last night that atonement is the key crutch of the whole gospel. The prophet said no one outside of this end time age were a small group of people under Malachi 4 that's restored back to the original faith. Only a small group of people will believe and accept the atonement in its fullness. He said no church age, the Jews did not accept it. No church age accepted. The Philadelphia and the age of love didn't accept it. And this last Pentecostal age of Laodicea would not accept it. But the message will come, grace, grace, the capstone will descend, restoring the revelation of the perfect atonement or the original atonement, which Brother Allen spoke on last night, which is our covenant of grace. If you do not get past the day of atonement in its tithes, you will not end up under the Feast of Tabernacles. We have went through that and the prophet declared us into Feast of Trumpets that now the Gentile bride, having been before the judgment seat, the Bema of Christ, stood before the judge, the revealed word, come, brought their deeds to the light, now being declared righteous or not guilty, Basically, they stand under the Feast of Tabernacles now and are safe. So the righteous run into a revelation, which is the name of the Lord manifested in flesh, and there they are safe. So we find out, if you study the book of Revelation, the first two, three, chapter 2 and 3, you'll find out that each messenger of the age, right unto the angel of, right unto the angel of, right unto the angel of, each messenger, they begin that, uh, that part Unto the angel of so-and-so write, thus saith the Spirit of God. And the first gives a part or a revelation of the name of Jesus Christ, which at the end time Brother Branham called the sevenfold revelation of Jesus Christ. The reason he called it the sevenfold revelation is the revelation given to each age accumulates. The overcomer reward accumulates. And the end time we get the full revelation of the name. We get the full, basically, uh, overcomer's position to sit on the throne with him. And therefore, we come to the accumulation and the revelation of God himself, the mighty God unveiled before us. You say, well, no man can see God and live. But we can see the reflection. We can see the representation. And that representation appears to us in human flesh. Therefore, if you do not recognize the revealed Word of God in human flesh for your day, you have missed the name of the Lord. All right. So each angel brought forth a part, and the last seventh age brings forth the Amen, which is the mighty God unveiled. 
Each messenger brought forth a portion of his name, a revelation, which was absolutely spiritual food in due season. Each age, Luther, Wesley, Pentecost, Martin, all them, they had a portion of the word that fed the congregation for that hour. Only that revealed hidden manna for that day was sufficient to basically bring them to, into eternal life. Now, remember two weeks ago, we said there's two kinds of manna. There's manna that's promised eternal life, Jesus in John 6. And there's also manna, he said, that you will eat in that day and not die. So you can eat a manna and have eternal life. And Paul said, we know that we're born again because we looked for the first resurrection. We have a witness by the baptism of the Holy Ghost that we will raise in the first resurrection. That was their witness. At the end time, when that same Jesus comes, the same pillar of fire manifested through flesh, Brings a bread to us that we will never die, plus we will not die or be changed immortal. So we're looking at a twofold hidden manna. One will give you eternal life, salvation. One will give you immortal life, bringing you to the resurrection understanding. So we're looking at this part here that basically it shows us that God hides the mystery of Himself in names. God's mystery is absolutely hid in names, in chosen men. You can start all the way from Adam and Eve and women because we know that the woman is a type of the church. We understand that there was a mystery in Ruth. Can't go through all the stories. We'll be here all morning. There was a mystery in Eve, which was the mother of all living. Never said Adam was the father of all living, but Eve was the mother of all living. So she contained a mystery of the plan of God. So God hides His mystery in absolute men's name. David, which was king, basically used the term in Solomon's more than anyone else, the name of the Lord. He used the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord. So we find in 1 Samuel 17, 45, we find that David used this name by which most preachers has preached a sermon on it uh, one way or the other about David and Goliath, and it says what? Then said David to the Philistine, which was the giant Goliath, Thou comest to me with a sword, and with a spear, and with a shield. He didn't have on the whole armor, but he had three parts of it. But I come to you, not with sword, not with a spear, not with a shield, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. David come, not with a sword or a shield, but he come to meet this giant by, with a revelation. Now, what was David really saying in this verse? Let's look at what he's saying. We know that the name of the Lord is the only thing that can defeat the enemy. Jesus, when He ascended upon high, He received a name above every name, every power, every principality, and every knee and every devil and every sickness must bow to the name of Jesus. So back here, David basically had an anointing. Now, where did he get his anointing? Remember, Samuel poured oil on his head and said, Thou shalt be the king over Israel. David was anointed. He had a revelation. In other words, David had an understanding of God's will for his day pertaining to himself. 
Now, you've got to see yourself in the Word. Now, you can see Brother Branham. You can see David. You can see Paul. You can see a lot of messengers. You may even see your parents or someone else. But you must find yourself in the Scripture because you are a part of God's Word manifested in flesh. Now, you can find a little part in Revelation 18.1, come out over my people. How many come out? All right, what did you come out by? A call, come out of her. Then who are you then? You must be my people somewhere. Amen? All right, so David basically, he wasn't afraid because David had a revelation of the name of the Lord. You say, well, he didn't call any name. Well, we've got to understand what the revelation is. The reason David was not afraid was because he had been before the prophet Samuel. And Samuel had said, watch, thus saith the Lord, you will be the next king over Israel. Now put in your notes, now keep in mind as we go through this sermon, thus saith the Lord, told us, you stand absolutely sinless before God. Now if that don't anoint you, you're hard to be anointed. Brother Bram said, when you hear this message and receive it and believe it, that becomes your anointing. Come on now. The Pentecostal anointing of gifts and God is good has already passed away and bleeding out. So be able to survive and go to immortal life for the resurrection and the change, God had to have a hidden manna in the holiest of all or a secret under the seventh seal that has been hid before the foundation of the world. Now, if this giant, which was an unbeliever, I think one place said this uncircumcised Pharisee, so-and-so and so-and-so, watch. David knew, just like Abraham offered up his son, David knew that he had the word of God, that he would be the next king. Therefore, he understood that if the, Goliath slayed him, basically killed him, he had a message pertaining to himself, and therefore David become the word of God interpreted. Now, follow this where you've got to see who yourself are. You must come to the place that you see that you are the Word of God interpreted. If God is going to have a bride, there's got to be someone in human flesh that fulfills that Word. Therefore, if we understand and a bride and we're married to Him by the revelation of His name, then we understand who we are as a part of God because we have a part of His name. And our soul come from Him, giving us eternal life with the promise of immortality while we're alive. Now, the principle, if the principle holds true that David was the Word of God interpreted, if that holds true, and it does, then the bride today under the seven seal ministry of Elijah, for after Revelation 10, 7 sounds forth his message and the mystery of the gospel of Paul is restored, we find that John... In John, basically, uh, Revelation 10, 8 to 10, right on through there, after the revelation of the seven angels sounds his message, Revelation 10, 7, we find John was commissioned by the angel of Revelation 10, 1 to come and take the book out of the one's, his hand, and John was told to eat the book. All right, if John eat the book, Therefore, we can ask the question, then where is the mystery of the open book 
since John has eaten the book because he doesn't speak or he doesn't give us any clue of what it said. All right, then who is John? John, I believe, does not represent the prophet because the prophet were Revelation 10, 7. John represents the bride who basically come out of her, my people, recognize the Elijah ministry of the Son of Man, come to the open book and partook or entered into the invisible union of the revelation that God Himself is here. Therefore, the revelation or the mystery of the open book is in the bride. So when you find somebody arguing that the book is not open, you need to look and digest where they're standing in the Lord. Because you'll find they're having trouble with the Godhead. Watch. So where is the mystery of the open book? I believe personally it is in the bride of Jesus Christ. Where is the mystery of the coming of the Lord? Because the seventh seal was the coming of the Lord that was hid by seven thunders that uttered, but John was permitted to write, forbidden to write what it said. So we end up, as long as we chase our tail, you're ended up with a mystery. You can say the seven thunders, one more seven seal is coming of the Lord. But when you end it all up, it's closed up in a mystery. And only the Father can reveal to you that new name. Now remember that new name is a revelation of God's Word for this hour and this season. Because only the Word in this season will give you the revelation of the name that's able to change you from mortal to immortality. There is a hidden Manna in the holiest of all are under the seventh seal. So the mystery of the coming of the Lord, for that is the mystery of the seventh seal. How many understand the mystery of the seventh seal was the coming of the Lord? That's almost a direct quote. And the coming of the Lord was not absolute uh, physical coming of Jesus. The second coming of Jesus in Revelation 19, when He comes back riding on white horses and His bride with Him on horses. Jesus physical man does not touch the earth again until Revelation 19. So we have a coming of the Lord in Revelation 10, 1. This mighty angel descends, and he comes all the way down to earth because his feet was on land and sea. And he did not come with his bride, nor did he come for his bride, but he come to gather his bride together with a shout of 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. All right. So here we find that the mystery of the seventh seal, which is called the second coming of Jesus Christ or the coming of the Lord, was an appearing that was placed in Scripture and basically hid from our minds until Christ is a mystery of God revealed. If you go to Matthew 24 and 3, let's look at the seventh seal. Matthew 24, 3, we understand that Jesus, Brother Bam preached on this. The disciples asked Jesus three questions. He said, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And here's the question we're interested in. And what shall be the sign of thy perusia? Uh-oh, that's, this is what gets you kicked out. Well, Brother Gregory, it says, what is the sign of thy coming? If you look it up in a dictionary, the word there, Greek, is perusia, which actually means the literal presence with. Literal presence with. It doesn't mean look down the road, someone's coming, we don't know it. It means that God Himself will be here 
in a form hidden to the church, and only the Father knows when and how. Okay. Matthew 24, 27. Right down in the same chapter. Now remember, Brother Branham goes to it in the seal book, how the first six seals was absolutely unveiled by Jesus in chapter 24. It goes through seal number one, two, three, four, five, and six. When he comes to the seventh seal, Jesus blends off and doesn't reveal it. Brother Branham said, see, the first six seals are revealed by Jesus, but the seventh seal, he did not tell us what it was. Amen. But if you'll follow the Scripture, what follows chapter 24 of Matthew? Chapter 25. What is the first parable that Jesus brings forth? The wise and foolish virgins. And the wise and foolish virgins was what? Behold, the bridegroom is here. Come out and meet him. Behold, the bridegroom. Didn't say he was coming. Behold, the bridegroom, he is here. There's your seventh seal right there. That's your seventh seal. Spoke in a parable. Because Jesus said, I speak in parables. Save all except the elect until the Father gives it to them. Will hear and believe but not see. Because if they understand, they'd be saved. And we thought, well, what did Jesus come for? He wanted to save everybody. He come to redeem his own which Brother Allen preached on last night very successfully. Now watch. So Matthew 24, 27, it says what? For as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth even unto the west, so shall also, here's your word again, so shall the coming or the perusia of the Son of Man be. Why is everybody so afraid of the word perusia? Oh, he believes in two gods. He believes in Perusia. Perusia doesn't teach two gods. Perusia preached there's one God, and he come down in his original form, which was a pillar of fire. There's no two gods. God is a spirit, a spirit. He's not spirit. He is a spirit. He is a person. He has a form which no man has seen, but we have seen him veiled in his appearings. We've seen him appear as a prophet. We've seen him appear as Melchizedek. We've seen him appear as a, a cloud, a pillar of fire. We've seen him appear in prophets, angels, and whatever more. But God, no man has ever seen God and lived. But we see the appearance or the image that he veils himself behind to communicate himself to people. And those that receive that prophet or that person's message absolutely receives the name of the Lord, which is the Word of God. Watch. So there's your word again in the same chapter. And verse 24, 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also shall also the perusia of the Son of Man be. So if you're going to look at the seals, you've got to understand the word perusia or the literal presence, and he's coming now mysteriously in the form of a man. He's coming veiled, but manifested in flesh through a prophet of Revelation 10, 7. You're following the picture. It's a beautiful picture. Watch now. In Matthew 24, 36, here Jesus continues now answering his questions. But of that day of the perusia, that day of the appearing as the Son of Man, a pillar of fire, that day and hour of knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. What is he speaking of? He's speaking of the sign of the coming of the Son of Man when he himself would come and appear in the church 
with the twofold ministry of Jesus Christ because it was God in Christ revealing himself to the church. Jesus did not come to reveal himself. Amen. He come to reveal the Father. Now in this hour, the Father comes down not to reveal himself, but to reveal his Son. Glory to God. For the Son is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can see me except seeing the Son. No man can come unto me by except through the Son. So you must receive a revelation of the Son of God to be able to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost or a witness by God Himself. Watch now. In Matthew 24, 39, it tells you again. And those in that day knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the perusia of the Son of Man be. In other words, there is going to be a presence even as it was in the days of Noah. Now, people get kind of alert when you say, well, now you need to recognize who Brother Brown was as a messenger, not to be saved, but to receive the name of the Lord for your day, for your change. Just think, well, I don't have to receive a prophet. If you was in the days of Noah, would you have to receive Noah? What if you didn't receive Noah? You ended up outside the boat. If you don't receive the messenger today that opens the door into immortality, opens the door into the holiest of all, opens the door into the presence of the covenant, the Son of Man, opens the door and gives you a token of revelation of Himself and who you are as the son and daughter of God, you're going to be outside the camp. All right. He knew not until the presence of the Son of Man be. How many believes that the Son of Man has come in this hour and revealed Himself according to Luke 17:30? Therefore, the perusia or the revealing of the Son of Man is now history. It's history. So now we, see, we will see the great mystery hid, according to Brother Branham, and he preached around it for years and years, was the perusia of the pillar of fire or the presence of God. I got a couple of amens. I thought we believed this by now. Brother Brown preached a sermon, the unrecognized presence of God. He could turn it around and say, you don't recognize the presence or the perusia of Christ. My message is, He is here. All right, who is here? Well, you say the prophet is here. Without God being here, the prophet has no, no inspiration, no authority or nothing. So if you've got God here, you've got to have a prophet here to hear Him. No God, no prophet, no prophet, no God, so to speak. In other words, the prophet is the only one that has access to the pillar of fire according to Moses back in the Old Testament. You wonder why we can't see the pillar of fire? Because when he come on the scene of the prophet of Moses, they say, oh, 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 that's too scary. Don't speak to us in the form of a pillar of fire no more. You tell Moses what you want us to do, and we will hear the prophet. And God said, that sounds pretty good. I'll just do it that way. I won't appear no more. So therefore, I will not reveal my secret or my name or the message of the hour outside of a man. All right. So if you're looking for something to take you in a rapture, you either got to believe that Brother Branham didn't do it all or he done it all and we don't quite understand it. One or the other. So you're looking at the mystery 
basically veiled. And I got volumes of book on it. They wrote book on it. Russell wrote books on it and everything else. They're all trying to bring the perusia of the Lord back into the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus Christ, whereby they preach that he comes twice, once for his bride, to save his bride, wants to get him, and then he comes back with him. Brother Branham said in between where he ascended on high, he comes back in the end time as son of man again to prepare the bride, to restore her right back to the original atonement, put her under a covenant of unconditional grace that Brother Allen preached on last night, telling her that she was absolutely sinless. And how can she be sinless? Because he declared her to be so. So therefore, the atonement, I don't want to get on his sermon, but I'll get on mine. The atonement has to deal with sin. If the original atonement has been restored, and it has, the sin question has been settled. Come on. If the sin question is settled, why should I beat you over the head every morning for this and that and do's and don'ts and whatever more that you worked yourself through to find out that your soul come from God in the first place? Sin question is settled. Then I asked the preacher, why are you bringing the people back to the altar, back to the altar, back to the altar to get saved, re-saved, saved, re-saved, saved, re-saved, saved, re-saved? They were saved before the foundation of the world. Why don't you tell them who they are in the book of life that you are predestinated sons and daughters of God and the revelation that he is here will manifest those sons. You can't happen because if you've got an anointing, that's what will come out on you. So the message of the seventh seal was he is here. The pillar of fire is here. Then who is this Melchizedek? But the pillar of fire. David, can we put a picture up here so people can understand when I uh, say the pillar of fire that we know what we're talking about. There's a pillar of fire. You say, well, that's a picture of a man. He's in the picture. But the picture was taken. God allowed himself to be photographed. The people didn't understand and believe, Brother Brown, when he said there's a light come. And he would discern the hearts of the people under this light. They didn't believe a light showed up. Hallelujah. So while he was there defending Brother Bosworth over divine healing, they took a picture of him, stuck their nose under his chin, and said, you're a divine healer, so-and-so. And they took this picture, and the prophet said, God allowed his picture to be taken to prove to the skeptics that I was right. So we're not allowed to see it with our eye, but I tell you in the name of the Lord, it's thus saith the Lord, he is here. Praise God. And He is leading us through the inspiration of His name, which is the Word revealed to us. He feeds our soul every day on hidden manna that's got life in it, not worms in it, but life in it, that will bring us to immortality. Amen. So this pillar of fire is here. This pillar of fire is God veiled. Now, the light is not God. It's God veiled. So God is in Christ, the anointing, veiled. Here is God manifesting His new name. Brother Branham said, who is this Melchizedek? 
Now, I know I've heard them preach Brother Brown's new, Melchizedek, no, that's a new name. No, no, no. Melchizedek was God manifested in a form. I believe it was a theophany form, whatever more, but he was in a form. He was a king. He was a man. He dealt over the city of uh, Jerusalem, king of Salem. People seen him, whatever more. He judged people, talked with people, even whatever more. And there was God right there among them. Come on, catch the picture. God right there among them in human form, and they didn't know who he was. Brother Bram said, if you only knew who I was, you would be healed. If you only knew who I was, you'd be healed. Jesus said, if you only knew who I was, you would receive redemption and salvation through the covenant of Almighty God. Because I am that promised one. I am the perfect sacrifice. I am that one that was spoken. A woman shall conceive and bring forth a child, and his name shall be called, not called, because wonderful is the name of God. His name shall be called wonderful, Emmanuel, God with us. So the name of God was hidden in the man, Jesus. Come on. So the pillar of fire, God, his name in the third pull, this is what we're looking at here. First and second, third pull of the pillar of fire. This presence has to be identified. Now, I don't war with people anymore that slanders the word perusia. I just think that they're not properly taught. They haven't taken time, or their ministers or their pastors hadn't taken time to go to the scriptures and trace the word down. Then come before the people and prove to them what the word means pro archon. In other words, there's something going through the land called Perusia, and I don't take the responsibility to take it through the word, look it up, hear what the man is saying, take it back to the scripture. If I can find it in the scripture, I'll study it through the scripture. Does it come from Genesis Revelation? Amen. Is it according to the written word of God? Amen. Is it fulfilling the word of God in this hour? Amen. Did Brother Brown speak on it? Amen. Did he say, thus saith the Lord? Amen. Then I'll receive it. Well, what if you don't understand it? I will believe it knowing that the principle of revelation comes after the fact. I will believe it until I see it. In other words, I will look at the vision. I will look at the message of the hour, which is the vision. I will live and feed on the vision or the message until it amorphous my soul. So I know who I am, that I am a true son and daughter of God. I always had eternal life. Now I am striving for immortal life in the resurrection. Praise be to God. So the presence has to be identified. Has to be identified. And that identity maintains itself until, let's go to Matthew 24 again, verses 22 and 28. You'll understand that the book of Matthew 24 is speaking of this end time perusia or the appearing of the pillar of fire. In verse 22 it says, And except those days shall be shortened, there shall be no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then if any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets. They shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it was possible, 
They shall be the, uh, deceived the very elected. Brother Brown said, now there's your first seal. False doesn't know going forth. Behold, I have told you before. Wherefore, if they shall say, Behold uh, unto you, Behold, he is in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers, believe it not. Now, who's he talking about? He's talking about this presence, this perusia of Jesus Christ, the pillar of fire. For wheresoever, he said, for as the lightning cometh out of the east and shineth unto the west, so shall also the perusia of the Son of Man be. In other words, it started in Jesus in Jerusalem. Come on, follow me. Now, y'all have been heard it long enough, you should be jumping out of your, your socks. When Jesus went to the water and be baptized, God did not incarnate in him at that time. Now, I've heard a man two or three weeks ago preach incarnation at the conception in the womb of Mary. I can't see that because I believe that God created both male and female in one creation. In other words, he didn't create one and create the other. Blah, blah, blah. He created in one generation. There's a mystery right there. Jesus was the only begotten, uniquely born Son of God. Amen. He was a man. He had his own spirit, his own soul, and his own body. A body hast thou prepared me. He was unique. He was one of a kind. He was built that God himself could indwell him in his fullness and reveal himself without any hindrance because he was built in such a way that he was one with the Father's will, totally submissive to the Word of God to where you didn't see the man, all you seen was God the Father. Amen. So what is he talking about? He's talking about this Son of Man, which speaks of the presence of the pillar of fire. It speaks of God Himself being here. And it speaks of a prophet here as a mouthpiece. Because Revelation 10.7 is the mouthpiece of Revelation 10.1, which is the voice of the shout in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. The shout there is not the literal voice of the one descends. It is the prophet of Revelation 10, 7 that you're hearing. Therefore, the shout comes through a man. And Brother Branham said, uh, Brother Branham, are you the son of man? Hmm. He said, no, I'm not the son of man, which we know that he was a prophet, a son of man. And then he said, the pillar of fire is not the son of man. Oh, wait a minute now. Where are we going here? He said, it is the revelation of the son of man through a son of man. Jesus Christ is the son of man. All right. So, therefore, these days, this period of time here, of the presence, we don't know when, well, we know basically when it started, and we know basically when it will end at the resurrection. But it says, for soever the carcass is, and that is the body word of the son of man, the revelation of this presence, the cry at midnight, all those types is where the eagles, not the jaybirds of the chickens, but it's where the eagles will be gathered to feed. And they won't feed on nothing that's been dead like a hawk. They will only feed on the freshly revealed Word of God. It has to have blood in it or it has to be have life in it. Now, I'm going to read a couple of statements. We've only got about 10 minutes, but I want you to know this. My 
theme this morning is the seven thunders revealed the new name of God. And it's in your notes. If I don't get all the way, you can read your notes. Jesus said, now this is God's only provided place of worship. Jesus said, I came in my Father's name and you received me not. You want the scripture for that? He said, say it, John 5, 43. I came in my Father's name and you received me not. Then the Father put his own name, which is Jesus, in the Son. Watch the language. He put his own name, which was Jesus, in the Son. And he's the way, he's the door, he's the house. Who's the house? Jesus, the Son. He's where God chose to put his name. God chose to put his name. Now we got problems. We got problems. We got two called Jesus. We got a pillar of fire. His name is Jesus. We had a, a son who died on the cross and sent it on high and sat down on the Father's stone. His name is Jesus. Now, I don't like to call him Jesus Senior and Jesus Junior, but we got a problem. Because when the prophet talks about Jesus, which one is he talking about? Boy, he said Jesus was God. All right, which Jesus was he talking about? God the Father, whose name was Jesus? Or the Son of God, who was given the name of Jesus? Well, if he said Jesus is God, then I know which one he's talking about. He's talking about the Father, and he's not talking about the Son. And Brother Brown, 99% of the time, was talking about the Father, which was the pillar of fire, the anointing that he was with all of his life, that was born over his head at the birth. That pillar of fire he followed all the way from Genesis to Revelation, and to come out of this end time, Jesus Christ, the anointing, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, then the Father put his own name, which is Jesus, in the Son. And he's the way, he's the door, he's the house, he's where God chose to put his name. God never put his name in me. He never put it in the church. Now, we can discuss a little bit, he never put it in me, because his name ends with H-A-M. So he put a part of his name in him anyway. He never put it in the Methodist, Baptist, Catholic. He put it in Christ, it is in Christ the anointed Emmanuel. And the name is the Word because He is the Word. Hmm. Then is He, what is He then? The Word interpreted is the manifestation of the name of God. So I'm not looking for Jesus, build John or something like that, I'm looking for a manifestation or a revelation, a part of the Word. I'm looking for a message that will turn my heart back to the original faith. How many understands what I'm saying? You remember why Brother Branham for 30 years, oh, is this my new message? Am I going to die? Is this me? Is this me? Brother, every time, is this my new message? This is this me? Am I going to die? Oh, is this? Am I that? Am I this? Am I this? All the way to the end, and when he finally got to the end, he revealed he was the one that was hidden in Scripture all the way through. And when he come to his death, he finally come to the climax that he had fulfilled the word exactly as it was written. He was that elected, predestinated mystery of God made manifest by bringing forth God unveiled in this hour. The problem is he was so close in that spirit of Elijah 
that people could not recognize the ministry of Elijah from the ministry of Melchizedek. He said, you can't separate me from him. Now, in James 2.23, won't have time to get to this, but if you'll notice, James tells us in verse chapter 2.23, And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. How many likes to be called the friend of God? Now, we're the seed of Abraham, so we should be at least friends of God. Amen. We may think now, what does that have to do with me now? What does that got to do with us? John 15, 15 says, Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. So brother brings us out to Abraham's covenant over and over and over. Servants don't know what his Lord doeth. He typed that to the church. He typed that to the foolish virgins. He typed that to the Jews. He typed it to many, but he said, friends, do know what the Lord doeth. In other words, they're in the light of the hour that God is displaying. They have brought their soul to the revelation of the new message, examined their soul by it, and found their name written in the book. Praise God. I don't want to make a, a Baptist shout glory to God. What? So we see a name change in this end time that also brings a change of nature. The baptism of the Holy Ghost did not change their nature. It only brought an anointing on their spirit. You've got to understand, Brother Brian brings it out, 1965, you have to move from anointing on your spirit to a nature change. And it takes the unveiling of God for that to do that in you. Because he called the revelation of the word for this hour, which is God is here. He called that your evidence that you have been born again. You have had a nature change. So when do we as believers have a name change? We have a name change when we're united with Him. In marriage in this hour, we take on His name, which is Mrs. Jesus Christ. Okay. I've got a quote here from a church age book. I'll read it real quickly. Watch now. Brother Branham goes to the new name. Abram changed to Abraham. Sarah changed to Sarah. Jacob changed to Israel. Simon to Peter. Saul to Paul. These names either brought about a change or were given because of a change. Every time there is a change of ministry, there is a name change. Now we know that Brother Branham, after the seals opened, he said, I don't call you church any longer. He gave us a new name. And that new name was Bride. 
Well, if the new name was bride and the marriage takes place here, then basically we take on the name of the groom, which is Mrs. Jesus Christ. Therefore, we know the name of redemption. We know the only name that I can be saved by. It's not a new name that Brother Branham had a mouth on that he could speak it. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the name of Jesus is the only name that brings you salvation. Now, what we receive in eternity down in New Jerusalem or somewhere after I'm immortal, I don't know. And I'm really not concerned about it because if I get that far, if I got an immortal body, I'll just say, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. I might be called Shalom, whatever more. I don't know what I'm going to be called, but I know now that I'm called Mrs. Jesus Christ, and I am a true son and daughter of God. Amen. I don't care what you call me as long as you call me to the meal. Amen. And today, each one of us true believers has had a name change. We are Christians. Now, isn't that simple? After he went through that whole mysterious spill, he finally tells us that we are Christians, which means anointed ones. What are you anointed by? Like David. You're anointed by the name of the Lord that was hid under the seventh seal that you have heard and fed on so long now that it doesn't really mean that much to you per se. But it was that revelation and mystery of that name that absolutely changed you, brought you a complete birth, and placed you not guilty. That's what it does. How do you know you've had a name change? From servant to friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have been made known unto you. Okay, if y'all want to come, I'll try to close right here. I won't get to it, but it's in there. Maybe I won't get in complete trouble on the live stream today. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. How did the Lord do it? How's God going to unveil Himself? How is, is He going to make known to us His new name? We'll read later in your notes, and it says it will be revealed in the thunders. So therefore, how many knows the new name of God that was revealed in the thunders? See? The prophet made known what we were not. He said, you are not church. Oh, you ought to be able to say amen to that then. You are not false anointed. Come on. You're not going to dribble off because of Pentecost. They don't jump and scream anymore. You have a revelation. You have been conceived. You're locked up. You take this revealed word of God, this new message. He is here. You believed it. Your womb of your mind is closed up. I don't care what the devil does or how many seeds are sown. It won't take hold. And you don't need a jived up bunch of bull to get you thinking that you're saved. All you need is a revelation of the name of the Lord is a mighty tower, and I have gone into it. Will your friends like you? No. Will you get cut off from the meetings? Ask me. 
I preached a lot of convention until we preached these sermons, and then we got cut off. Everybody, oh, Brother Gregory preaches two gods. He preaches this. He preaches that. And they don't have a clue what I preach. Amen. I preach the same sermon over and over. I just give it a new name every Sunday. That's all. I to just give it a new name. We're not under the mark of the beast. You do not have the mark of the beast. Aren't you happy about that? If you're a bride, guess what, it's, what remains? Oh, I got a resurrection body change promise. We're here. I'm not worried about the politics, as Brother Allen said last night. We understand politics. Come on, vote a Democrat in, vote a Republican. It don't make any difference. They're hollering peace and safety, and they will get it. But sudden destruction cometh upon him. You are not condemned with the world. You will not burn with the world. There won't be one bomb strike America before you're in glory. Amen. Right, glory to God. I better stop right there if I get over here. Let me, let me just get this part here. Just one more part. In the first seal, Brother Ben makes this statement that has caused conflict for years. It shouldn't, but it causes conflict for years. He said, now watch, there was a, so Jesus changed his name from what? From Saul to Paul. Look at the sons of thunder and on down. And Jesus, watch, his name on earth was Redeemer. Okay? Jesus, when he was on earth, he was the Redeemer so Brother Bradham's telling me now his given name was Jesus, but his ministry was Redeemer. So his ministry was manifesting his name. If Jesus has a ministry change, he's got the same name, but he has a change of name if he has a change of ministry. Would you follow that? He's not the Lamb of God anymore. He's not the Redeemer walking around in flesh preaching the gospel. Through his death, burial, and resurrection, God raised him up. God raised him up, set him at his own right hand, and he became the intercessor and mediator between us and the Father. So for 2,000 years, he's had a ministry in heaven as basically intercessor, our advocate, our bleeding lamb, our attorney, our name, our representation, for as he is, so are we in this world. It's according to John. When he ascended on high, he received a new name. That's the reason you holler the way they do and they don't get nothing. Huh. It'll be revealed in the thunders. See, notice the mysteries he is coming. Writing, got to be something to change this church. You know that. There's got to be something. Notice, no man knoweth. Now he's referring back to Matthew 24, 36 again, that no man knows the mystery of the appearing. No man knoweth but himself. Now notice, no man knoweth but himself. He's speaking of the mystery of the perusia of the Son of Man. Two facts, and we'll close. The new name that Jesus received when he ascended on high, he tells us will be revealed in the thunders. Can you say amen? That's what he said right there. I just got through reading it. 
We have found since 1963, wherefore he come forth in seven thunder, seven angels come forth one each night, bringing forth the interpretation of the revelation of the seals. The majority would say, basically, the seven thunders have not sounded or been revealed. Now, we know that if one thunder come each night and reveal each seal, then we know at least six thunders have sounded because we got the revelation of six seals. Then if seven angels come down, why would only six of them talk and the seventh keep his mouth shut? Because the seventh one pertains to us. And if there's not a seventh thunder, then there's not a seventh angel. And if there wasn't a seventh thunder, it wouldn't be an old new message. So you got seven seals and seven thunders. All right. Then brother, the people would say, if the seven thunders have uttered and revealed the new name of God according to your prophet, then what is the new name of God? That'd be a sensible question, right? If the seven thunders are going to reveal the new name of God and the seven thunders have sounded according to what we believe, then we can ask the legitimate question, what is the new name of God then? Now, we've heard that this angel will absolutely do two things. We've read over and over. Number one, church aid book, it said that this messenger, Malachi 4, Revelation 10 and 7, is going to do two things. According to Malachi 4, he will turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. Two, he will reveal the mysteries of the seven thunders in Revelation 10, which are the revelation contained in the seven seals. That's just a blank statement. Now, the question is, did Brother Branham fulfill these two things? Did he fulfill these two things? The thunders then are revealed. If you say he revealed these two things, then the seven thunders has to be revealed, which is the revelation of the seven seals. That's a fact. Therefore, if we don't understand the potential lies in what has been brought forth that we call the message of the hour. So if there is something that is to come forth to us, the thing to bring it has already come. And we have what we need and keep feeding on the revealed word. The revelation will grow into the object that we're looking at, which is God himself, the word. Amen. So therefore, I got into the soul. The rest of the notes are there. Let's stand this morning and we'll read it or be dismissed. But the new name that the thunders reveal, I'll just tell you, Pont Blake, what it is. The new name that the thunders revealed was the Lord Jesus Christ, one God. Because the capstone revelation under the seventh seal was there is only one God, and His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the name that the thunders revealed. That is not the name that Brother Bam spoke later of, that when all things become new, I will write my new name upon Him. My new name, when all becomes new, then he will take upon him a new name, and that name will be the name of the bride also. 
Now, I don't know what that is. And I'm not worried about what it is. I have received a nature change. I have received a name change. My soul has amorphed. I have been made a part of the one I looked at. And if you look in the mirror, you'll say, Father, that's me. What I'm trying to get you to see is, when you take on the name of Jesus, you take on the name of a Christian, that name has hidden manna in it, power in it, to transform your soul for you to understand that you are a part of God. Because when God gives you a revelation of the message of the hour, that revelation makes you a part of the one that brought it. Now, I'm not talking about Brother Branham. He was only the sounding board. I'm talking about God, the Word. The whole world is waiting for the manifestation. Now, watch what I'm saying. The manifestation of the sons of God. And the Word interpreted is the name manifested in flesh. Therefore, I can look at you by your confession and believe that you are the new name of God, the thunders revealed as Mrs. Jesus Christ. And that change is the mighty tower that you must run into and are safe. And if you hadn't run into it, you better start running. Put on your snickers, put on your tennis shoes, fastest shoes you got, and start running for the cross as fast as you can go. Amen? So God bless you. We enjoy the weekend. I thank God He gave me enough breath to be able to speak through this sermon this morning. I almost felt like Brother Allen, praise God, I could get hollering and screaming. I thought, no, you better check yourself. That's wisdom. Amen. When he gets a little older, he'll settle down and make one sermon into a lecture of four months. He'll learn, don't throw all your stories and don't turn all your good points in one sermon. Leave some of them for the people to wait on to come to them back the next time. Amen. But I enjoy him. I enjoy his fellowship and his friend. And we'll have him back pretty soon to preach for us on a Sunday morning. Amen. God bless you. So give our regards to the church. Give our regards to your parents, your mom and dad. And tell them we're praying for them in our minds and thoughts of them. We welcome the Church of Canada this morning. Let's turn around and give them a welcome. Make them in the church. And say, take up your cross. And Oh, take up your cross.